Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are embarking on our third week of our theme for October of knowing your worth. And I'm excited not only about the guest, but the depth of expertise that she will bring to an already rich conversation we have been having. If you didn't catch T.W. Suggs' conversation about running through the rain, or if you didn't catch our conversation last week, please tag into those replays catch on to powerful insights that have allowed us to really understand the power of understanding our worth and not just focusing on our circumstances. So let me introduce our guest for this conversation where she's going to challenge us to live um, living with peace after pain. So Catherine Barner is a grief and trauma expert, award-winning author, licensed psychotherapist, a certified um, ICISF crisis responder, clinical trauma specialist, and trained EMDR practitioner. Yes, the woman is busy. She is impacting lives with over 30 years of professional experience in mental health. She also has served local and state law enforcement agencies, domestic and sexual violence crisis centers, personal and substance abuse disorders, and those with severe and persistent mental illness, as well as supporting those impacted by homelessness. Catherine? is owner of KRB Unlimited LLC, which is a full service counseling, coaching and consulting firm with two signature programs, which are entitled Sisters Speak Up Society and the Living Beyond Loss Academy. Through her company, she specializes in equipping black women survivors of child sexual abuse, as well as individuals recovering from significant loss with the skills to pursue and achieve mental, emotional, and spiritual health, leading to a more productive and peaceful life. Now y'all know how I feel about cultivating and walking out peace with her engaging powerful and down-to-earth communication styles, Catherine has entertained and challenged audiences across the country as a national motivational speaker, Bible teacher, MC, and host. Through her radio broadcast, The Pearls of Wisdom Show with Catherine Barner, she interviewed a long list of women of faith, including international gospel artist Cece Winans, award-winning actress Karen Ambercrombie, and Erica Tazel. 
Award-winning authors Wendy Blight and Susie Larson, along with many others. Her podcast, Sister Survivors, highlighted conversations to equip and empower survivors of sexual abuse. We're going to dig into a conversation that will allow individuals to acknowledge that what has happened to you does not define the possibilities of where you can go. So join me in welcoming Katherine Barner to the Flipside Conversation. Hello and good evening, good afternoon to you, Dr. Jackson. I'm excited about this conversation. There's just such a wealth of um, experience and insight and actual personal life lessons that you, um, it feels like that you bring all of it into the work that you do with others. So what is your personal connection to the work that you do around grief and trauma spaces? Yeah, it is. It is definitely uh, all born out of my my personal experience. Um, I will say, my making my way into the psychology field, the mental health field. Quite frankly, uh, when I graduated from Spelman, my mother said, "Okay, you need a job. I don't care where you get the job; just get a job." So, truthfully, I had majored in psychology. I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. You know, we all use the term "I want to help people," mm-hmm. um, but I, I fell into Uh, you know, way back then, community mental health and and worked there for a while. And I actually loved it. was working with folks with with really severe and persistent mental illness, um, people who were really, really struggling with those those difficult diagnoses. And I loved it. But through the years, I I started to find my really where my lane was. And so landing in this space of grief and trauma really did come from my own personal experience on the trauma side it was it came from my own experience of being sexually abused um, as a 14 year old girl and not knowing what to do with that for over 10 12 years before um, anyone ever knew about it and before i really sought any type of assistance um, for that and so that's really where the the trauma work came out of the grief work was born out of um, after the death of my mother um, it's been uh, 11 years, just a few weeks ago that she passed away. But I had worked with folks, obviously, through my career who'd experienced grief and loss, um, who the death of someone that they loved deeply and was able to walk with them and give them all the tools and all of the head knowledge that I had gained. But when my mother passed away, um, I literally did not know what to do. I, I, I did not know how I was going to live my life from that point. Because what I say all the time is my mother was my everything. I mean, she was, she was my girl and I couldn't quite figure out what was going to happen. And this was me who had the degrees and all the knowledge and it worked done all the work. And so what, what I came to when I began to write my book was and what prompted me to write the book was if I know everything that I know about grief and loss and I've helped all the people that I've helped and, and I have I have some base to start from and I'm struggling as much as I'm struggling, what in the world is everybody else doing? Mm-hmm. And so that's really what pushed me into more deeper, I'll say, into the grief work and helping individuals. And like I said, the, the trauma work came from that space of having gone through years of working through my trauma, dealing with all the things that come from that. And we'll talk about a lot of that. But, but those two um, really 
seminal moments in my life is really what has brought me to, to this work that I quite honestly believe is what God has for me to do. Um, I know that nothing happens by happenstance, uh, even the difficulty of the trauma. I didn't know it then. And certainly I would have written the script a whole lot differently, but I recognize that even in that, um, I am the way that I was able to come out of it is so that I can help women who haven't been able to find the peace that I've been able to find. Mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful. I was with a group earlier today and we were pulling apart the difference between grief and trauma and recognizing that um, there is loss in trauma, but there doesn't always have to be trauma in grief. And, and being able to recognize that we have a really unique but critical a moment that we're living in right now where the two are so complex and so yes. intertwined in people trying to find a place of stability. What are some of your thoughts about the unique season we are in right now? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that's a phenomenal question. I think it's one that a lot of people haven't quite put together. Um, the way that you just did so eloquently, we, we really are in a difficult spot when we, if we just go back the past two, two and a half years mm -hmm. and everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard from the pandemic, when we think about um, the things that have happened with respect to law enforcement and the, the increased number uh, of individuals in our community, particularly who've experienced trauma, those of us collectively who've experienced that from watching that trauma, what, what I termed that re-traumatization, while it did not happen to me individually, it wasn't my husband, it wasn't my brother, it wasn't my son, but that person looks like my husband, my brother, my son. So mm -hmm. all of that really does create this groundswell of what am I dealing with? Is it grief? Is it trauma? Is it mixed together? And it can be difficult to tease those, excuse me, tease those things apart because it is so convoluted. And I love the point that you make. There is most definitely grief in, in related to trauma. There are multiple layers of that. Um, and so it's important for us, I think, to be just to acknowledge it. I think for so many people, it's it's this idea of feeling like, well, it's just me, or maybe I'm making too much of it, or maybe it's not that bad, but we need to acknowledge what is. And the reality is the past couple of years has been really, really difficult for multiple reasons. And it does, it, it just makes it a really tight bubble that we've got to unravel the yarn on slowly to help people begin to heal. You know, I'm getting ready to run an audible um, because something, a conversation I had with someone recently, you, I feel like I could ask you because we were really tussling with acknowledging what people have been going through currently, but as leaders, as influencers, as business owners, as administrators, um, the comment was made, and, and I'm very much about acknowledging when, when someone is exhibiting the fact that something has impacted them, mm -hmm. not whether or not I understand it, but acknowledge it, respect it, honor it, and then be willing to yes. enter in and um, listen for what is under 
that behavior. Stop just responding to the behavior. Get get under it, but that's going to require me to step in and get closer. And what the person said in response was, well, as a boss, I'm not a therapist. I just need them to do their job. I'm like, mm. okay, you can think. I'm not asking you to be a therapist, but you can use therapeutic strategies. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what what are some of your thoughts as leaders, administrators, business owners are trying to uh, navigate this with their employees? Yeah, you know, we, we are most definitely on the same page. You know, I, I could just come out of my seat as you were saying that because, and you're right, there we can expect, you know, others to be the therapist. However, we can expect them to be. And this is what I said, if, if it were you in the seat of your employer, your coworker, whatever that may be, and you were experiencing exhibiting the signs that they were, what would you want someone to do for you? What would you want someone to say to you? How would you want someone to help you? Just, just acknowledging that there is something that they're seeing that's a little bit off. Hey, I noticed that you're a little bit more snappier. Hey, I noticed that, you know, you're coming in uh, later. Is there something going on? I noticed you haven't talked about your mom as much as you used to. I noticed you haven't mentioned anything about your kid going away to college, whatever it may be. So part of it is if we could just get back to being decent human beings to mm-hmm. one another, like if we just start there and so we mm-hmm. don't, and then we can get them to the professionals. We can get them to the therapy mm-hmm. and all of those things. But there is a lot that can be done if we just engage with one another on a human level and do what we would want done for us. Mm. I think that takes bravery, though. Absolutely. Yeah, I think people are afraid at times to acknowledge what they're seeing um, and believe that if I ignore it, it's just going to go away. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing with quiet quitting, with what we're seeing with resignations, what we're seeing um, with the level of people being so emotionally fragile, mm-hmm. it's not just going to go away. And the strategies you used as a leader pre-pandemic or even in the pandemic are not going to be the same strategies you use to lead people out of the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so those things on a larger scale, maybe it, maybe it is bringing in the mental health professional to do a training on stress management. You know, maybe it is bringing in a professional to do a training on grief and loss, you know, those types of things so that while you may be having one-on-one conversations, but you're having a larger conversation with the entire group that you manage, that you support, whatever that looks like. And so everyone is benefiting from that because the reality is all of us are struggling with something. This, the past couple of years has impacted all of us in some way, whether we say it, whether we verbalize it or not, whether we uh, exhibit it behaviorally or not, mm-hmm. it has impacted all of us. So a manager, a leader who says, you know what, we're just going to do a training for the entire department on stress management, or we're going to do a training for the entire department on grief and loss, because all of us know someone who has experienced grief and loss if we haven't personally. So everyone can benefit from that. And then the trickle down is, okay, then we can talk about how that begins to impact the workplace, how that begins to impact you at home, how that begins to impact your other relationships as well. Oh, it's so true. Um, 
thinking about our theme for this month, Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes when I'm coaching and and working with um, specifically our girlfriend gathering, one of the John Maxwell quotes that I use is really, we can't add value to ourselves until we actually value ourselves. And the first relationship um, and I know that we have a commonality of our faith. Of our first relationship, of mm-hmm. course, is with the Lord. But after that relationship, really understanding our relationship with ourselves mm. is a powerful opportunity to be purposeful in moving forward into freedom, into purpose, into actually walking out what your assignment is. So what connections do you actually make between healing Mm -hmm. and knowing your worth and value? They are inextricably tied as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I I believe that it, it, we have to understand our worth. And so a lot of things that happen, unfortunately, pull us away from that and tell us that we're not worthy, we're not good enough, all of those things, we live in the shame. And so it can be very difficult to move back to that place of really believing that. And so to your point, when we talk about and we look at from a spiritual lens, that has to be the starting place because that's the only way that we can actually buttress up against the lies that the trauma, the lies that the grief begins to tell us about ourselves. So for me, it really is, if we can get someone to believe that, to believe that I really am worthy, I'm worth doing the work to get to the healing, that, that's, I mean, almost a beeline. I, I'm almost certain we're going to get to the healing. It's going to take us some time, but we can get there. If we can start with, you really are worth this. And here's why. And starting mm-hmm. to help them tease apart and really find, like I said, pinpoint the lies that the, that the enemy, that the grief, that the trauma, that society has told them about who they are because of what they've experienced and perhaps because of what they've done to heal from what they've experienced. Oh, wait, say that again. Perhaps the things that they've done to heal from their experience has also been a lie. So society has said to them, you're no good because perhaps you needed to smoke a little something to get over the fact that you were abused. Perhaps you needed to drink more than everybody else because you didn't have any other coping skill to deal with the loss of your loved one. Mm. So society views that as you are now less than because you are now labeled. But we need to get to the place where we're able to help them understand you are still worth and you are still worthy, even though you may have chosen a coping style that wasn't the best, but it worked for you in the moment. Now we just got to teach you better coping styles. Yes. And instead of staying in a place of shame and judging yourself because um, the social construct or or even agencies who have been put in place to help you mm-hmm. actually are continuing to label you instead of believing that Actually acknowledging the fact that what you went through, that's what you used in that moment. But you have options. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. You have options to choose new strategies for this next chapter. Absolutely. 
And what you did, past tense, in order to survive, is not what you are currently doing. So that's not who you are in this moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you did that. It happened, but it was difficult. But that's not who I am in this moment. We have been having a conversation, really recognizing that you actually can live in peace after the pain. And that we've started this journey unpacking or teasing out the difference between grief and trauma, and then recognizing that there are options that we can move past what we've been through, that it doesn't have to define who we are. We're going to take a short break, and um, I would encourage those of you who have not tapped into services that Living Strong Consulting provides. We do provide trauma-informed and trauma-responsive trainings, coaching, and consulting, as well as understanding the intersection between that trauma and marginalization and how some of those very social structures that um, Catherine just referenced, some of them have been intentional. And so being able to have brave conversations around how can we um, intentionally help others move through a healing journey. We have many resources for you. During this break, take a look at our website, www.livingstrongllc.com, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she is being redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. The White House Doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. 
To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We've been having a conversation with Katherine Barner. She has been helping us understand in her work as a psychotherapist, as a trained EMDR practitioner, as a clinical trauma specialist, as well as an author. She referenced the book a little bit earlier, and we'll ask some questions so we can dig into that as well. But she's been encouraging us to really understand um, how trauma begins to distort who people actually believe they are and what their options are. But she's also had her own personal journey in really understanding how to navigate and come out of a place of um, traumatic experiences, as well as navigating devastating loss. So Catherine, I'd like to ask, what are some of the challenges you faced once you decided to move towards healing and your desire to actually discover peace? Yeah, the biggest challenge for me was, it's interesting some, what someone said during the was the issue of transparency. Um, because for me, particularly with, with the trauma, with the abuse that I experienced, um, there were probably three people in the world that knew for about a 10 year span. So when I got to a place where I, I could no longer hide, uh, if you will, because I was literally hiding in plain sight, um, the biggest piece for me was, was learning how to be transparent. But there was also the shame and the, and the guilt and all of the things that, that happened as a result of that, that was keeping me in that place. And so I had to dig my way out of that and, and recognize that the shame didn't belong with me. The shame belonged with the individual that harmed me. I had done nothing wrong. I had done nothing to deserve. I had all of this, all of the lies that trauma makes you believe. All of that shame and all of that guilt actually belonged with the individual, like I said, that harmed me. But but it took time for me to dig through and sift through that. And then I'll even say on the grief side, for for me, I had learned one of the things that that trauma taught me, and this is what I, I say to folks when I'm, I'm working with them, one of the things that trauma taught me was to wear the mask. And so in doing that, I was very, very good at it. Um, and I was, what I showed you wasn't necessarily who I really was. And so I, I was very private by nature. So when I began to write the book, even I, I share this story. Uh, I remember the first time I took the draft down to my husband to read it. And he was like, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's okay, but you know, and my, you know, my little feelings were hurt because I thought I had done something, you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) And he was like, I mean, it's okay. But what he, the reality was I had not put me in the book. I had not, I had not shared any of me in the book. It was very, you know, it was very clinical at that point. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, who wants to read that? The point at which I was able to put me aside so that I could could put me in the book, then it became what God really wanted it to be. But that was a process for me. And so the, the biggest challenge for me was the transparency and working through that place of shame that I, that I struggled with for so very long. And that 
to be quiet, that taught me not to share. But recognizing that it's in the transparency, it's in the sharing that other people are ultimately drawn to you and can get their healing as well. Mm. It literally gives other people permission to be honest. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. When we think about, and, and I've encountered this when I have coached individuals who are, their desire is to be free. Their desire is to be whole and to be well. And they even have a list of goals, but there's some work that they need to do in order to walk out and live those goals. But there's this element of fear of actually going back in. I forgot that. I put it in a closet. (laughs) It is nice and neatly wrapped next to the shoes. And I want to leave it right there. Can't we just keep going on? I kept that closet closed. What do you say to those who actually want to keep, they're just like, I don't need, I don't need to tell, I don't need to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. I put it in the closet and I'm doing just fine. The first thing I would say is I understand and I believe you when you say that you're doing just fine. I believe you believe that. (laughs) However, um, I know that you're not Um, because if we if we're able to unravel some of the things that may be happening in that individual's life, talk, talk to me about your relationship with your, your husband or your boyfriend. Talk to me about your relationship with your parents. Talk to me about your relationship on the job. Talk to me about how many times you took that picture that you posted on Instagram. Talk to me about, to, to get the exact shot. Talk to me about, you know, what's your relationship with, you know, with your girlfriends or with, with your homies. So tell when you start digging a little bit deeper, there's residual effect from this thing that we're trying to keep in the closet. Once we open the door, because this is what I say about shame and guilt and all that stuff, it can't live in the light. Where it lives and where it thrives is in the darkness. Once we open the door and we let the light in, That's when the healing really happens, but it's so counterintuitive to what we've been taught and what Mm -hmm. it feels like that we struggle against that. And so the fear is, what are people going to think about me? Are they going to believe me? What are they going to do if they really find out? Can I really do it? It's too hard. All of those things keep us bound. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things I say to folks is, when that that conversation of it's too hard, I don't know that I, if I can, because the reality is healing is hard work. I mean, it ain't for the faint hearted. <laughs> no. And I've even had individuals who have been afraid to even cry about it because somewhere within their narrative, they believe the crying won't stop or I'll exactly. lose control if I start crying. Right. Yeah. Excellent mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what I tell folks is the issue isn't that that it's hard the issue isn't that it's too hard because the reality is you know how to do hard how do i know you know how to do hard because you're still here Mm. so whatever Mm -hmm. point whatever point the trauma the grief the loss whatever it was whenever that started it wasn't this morning and you have lived for a period of time and you have you have somehow made it now are there some things that maybe you would have wished you would have done a little differently? Maybe so. Maybe we'd agree on that. But you made it. And the issue isn't that it's too hard because you know how to do hard. 
have to learn how to do this version of hard. We just have to give you some better coping skills. So now when you do this hard, it's done and you don't have to keep going back and pulling it out of the closet because it really is healed at that point. You just, that entire piece of helping someone recognize you already know how to do hard. Yeah. That you have a track record of knowing how to do hard, but it's just learning how to do this version. That was everything for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and that's something I had to learn because I struggled with it too hard, you know, because nobody likes to cry. Nobody likes to feel bad. None of us, want, you know, we don't want to go through that. But I had to recognize if I live through that, <laughs> if I have made it thus far through all of that, yeah, it, it may be difficult, but it's not too difficult. It's not too hard because clearly I know how to do hard. I just have to figure out how to do it with this and how to do this version of hard. So yeah, I try, that's the biggest thing I try to get people to understand. You, you can do hard and I know you can, cause here you stand. Mm. When, and we have a question in the chat that mm -hmm. I think is really relevant to this because the hard work, mm -hmm. sometimes people are so focused on changing external stuff that that gets to, they get distracted about trying trying to change the external and they avoid the internal. So Cheryl, <laughs> Cheryl Hurley um, asks, when you speak of living in peace, my question mm -hmm. is, why do we tend to look for peace from external things mm. versus what's going on internally, which keeps us bound in the pain and the hurt? That's an excellent question. I think one of the reasons is because we we have been taught, and I think because just society in general, we look outside for everything, you know, for for external validation and all these other things that we do. We rarely start on the inside and are just okay with who we are, where we are, how we are. And I believe that's just the way that we've been we've been trained and acculturated and socialized and all of those wonderful things. But you're absolutely right, Cheryl. The 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 work and the peace has to be on the inside. Because here's the thing, if it's only external, it's not gonna last very long. And so I'm gonna be in this continual cycle of not living in peace and not have not understanding who I really am. I may be okay for a while, but something's gonna come back around because the inner me is unsettled. The inner me isn't okay with me. And until that happens, everything else is going to slowly start to fall apart on in one way or another, prayerfully not at the same time, but there are times when it does all come crumbling down. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about um, your, your journey with the book and things that you have actually learned and begun to share with others so that this journey, not necessarily that it's easy, right. but that they at least have, begin to have a roadmap. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> with with the book in particular, like I said, the biggest thing that, that I, I try to get folks to understand with the book is it's really a, um, really a tool to help you understand that, first of all, grief is normal. You are not going crazy. You are not losing your mind. Um, God is not mad at you because you are grieving. Grief is normal um, and that it's going to take some time. How long? I don't know. It's going to take as long as it takes. So it's really about helping normalize grief for people. 
and to give them permission to grieve in whatever way they need to grieve. Because the other thing I talk about, I talk about three P's in the book. So grief is perfectly normal. Grief is personal and grief is a process. And the personal piece is recognizing that each one of us moves through it differently at our own pace, in our own time. It's going to look very different on males versus females. The way that my brother moved through the loss with my mom was different than the way I did, but it doesn't mean that either of us loved her any more, any less. It means we're just different individuals. So that that is one of the things that um, with the book that I, I tried to help people understand. The other thing is that when we talk about grief, grief is about loss. So I, it came out and was born out of the death of my mother, but grief is about loss. So that's death, that's relationships, divorce, a broken engagement, just a long-term relationship with a friend that for whatever reason ends, loss of jobs, whether it was retirement that was planned and you were planning to go and sail off you know, to the, the seven seas and have this wonderful life, but now all of a sudden you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, who am I? Um, illness, you're diagnosed with, with some terminal disease, or maybe it's not terminal, but just a significant physical health challenge that now changes the trajectory of who you are and what you're able to do. Uh, and I talk about natural disasters. Like I said, I live in Houston, so we deal with hurricanes all the time. But so loss of possessions. And what I help people understand is that it's not so much the possession that's the issue. It's what that possession represents for you, what it meant to you. So that's, that's the crux of the book. Um, I talk a lot, in, uh, uh, there's a chapter in there that's the faith factor that where I really dig in to help people again, understand that because you express your grief, because you cry, does not mean that God is mad at you. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you love Jesus any less than someone else. It means that you're hurting and you're normal and you're grieving. Last week, we had uh, Monique A.J. Smith, um, and she talked about removing the mask. Mm. And I think it is an opportunity for uh, individuals to have permission to grieve as well as heal in their own way on their journey that there isn't a particular clock or a mm -hmm. timetable, and you don't have to pretend for other people, actually um, give yourself permission yes. and then tell others that this is how I like own my process. What is What are your thoughts about that? I completely agree. One of the things I say all the time, say to folks is give yourself the grace and the space to grieve and heal in your own time. And the other thing about the book and what I'm teaching, I, I'm so adamant about helping people understand those three Ps so that they understand it for themselves. So that when they're hit with some of the some of the crazy stuff that people say to you when you're grieving, you know, they're in a better place. You shouldn't be crying this long. You know, the relationship wasn't any good for you anyway. Well, all of that may or may not be true but it doesn't negate my very real pain that I'm experiencing. And so when we don't understand what grief really is and how to move through it, we can take that on and begin to think something is wrong with me. Yeah. And so now I shut down. I don't say anything. And now I'm complicating my healing process because I'm not asking for the help that I need. I'm not doing the things that I need to do to help me move through the process. I've just shut down because something has to be wrong with me because they said I should be better. It's been two weeks, I should be okay by now. No, where is that written? 
And as you expanded the understanding that grief is not just tied to physical death, but that um, actually today in the session I was doing with the group, we talked about how, just as you sh shared, change inevitably creates some kind of loss. Even good change exactly. will create loss, and we have to acknowledge how that loss is impacting us and how it can also impact our interactions with other others, our decision-making, as well as our behavior. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, I always say that whether, whether it's death, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, employment, you were somehow connected on an intimate level with another person mm -hmm. or an organization mm -hmm. or a thing that meant something to you. And that's powerful and that's impactful. And so when that thing or that person is no longer there, it is normal to, to feel something. What I tell folks is if you didn't feel something, if you didn't experience some sense of hurt, loss, whatever that, that experience is, then I would be concerned. The fact that you are experiencing the loss doesn't worry me so much because right. I understand that you're going to move through the process. Right. So how would you, and you may have referenced it earlier, and, and I just kind of want to unpack it a little bit mm -hmm. because I feel like there is um, an acceptance from the larger population that grief is a process. It is something that you can go through. There are steps associated with it. Um, but trauma, I find to be a little different. Yeah, it, it really is because, uh, A, because I don't think we talk about trauma enough. Um, and Truth. I think, we, yeah, I think we, we kind of push it aside because it can be gory and ugly and, you know, we, we just don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. Grief, we're like, okay, we can, we really don't want to talk about it too much, but we can deal with that one. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why. Um, but, but it's also recognizing that um, trauma impacts us on so many different levels and in so many different areas of our life. The tentacles of it go out so far that it can be difficult, not only for us to understand what, what the heck is going on, but the people around us. So when individuals are, are trying to engage or trying to help us or trying to understand what we're going through, it, they're like, oh, I, mm -mm, I can't do that. That's too much. I don't know. Let me let me just kind of let her do her thing over here. I think that's part of what what that struggle can be for folks. I think it's also interesting when you introduced the 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 conversation about not only is it changing you, the individual, but it's impacting those around us. And I think that also speaks to like the transgenerational nature, that if we do not deal with our stuff, we will pass it on to somebody else. Yes, without question. It is, it is going somewhere. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And, and we want it, we want to be able to control where it goes. That's why the healing is so important. But you're absolutely right. If, for example, if I don't heal, that is going to impact my relationship with my husband. So that's going to impact how my children see our relationship. So that's going to impact them what they do in their relationships. That's going to impact how I engage with the things that I may say or not. 
daughter or my son about relationships because I haven't healed and I'm speaking to them out of a place of hurt and I'm still speaking to them and teaching them out of from a place of trauma versus a place of healing. So what they're seeing and the messages they're getting are not healed messages. Mm. They're getting traumatic messages that they're invariably going to take into their relationships. So now we just got this cycle that's continued from generation to generation where relationships are broken, marriages are broken up, people aren't, you know, children are being talked to crazy, you're not, all of those things that are harming us. So when we can heal and be honest about what has happened, now we can heal the generations and we can do something different. Oh, you just said a word. We can heal the generations. My post this week in association with our conversation, I was listening to um, a song um, by Maverick City mm. um, and Israel. And it the song is called Freedom Looks Good on You. Ooh. And they said, freedom looks good on you. Try it on. And I said, you know what? That is all the way around true. That freedom does look good on us. Try it on. Try it and, on. And I'm curious how in your coaching, in your business, what is special, what's different, unique about your approach that encourages people to understand that freedom looks good on you. Just try it on. Try what it do you on. do? Listen, so I, I have, there's a formula that I use that I'm working with folks. It's called the break formula because it's all about breaking the silence, breaking the cycle. That, that's, that's kind of my whole thing. And so the formula is the B is for believe yourself and believe in yourself. Because a lot of times when we've experienced trauma in particular, there can be this moment where you're like, okay, did it happen? Did it really happen? I know I said something. Did they believe me? Because nobody's done anything in my case. Like, did they hear what I said? Because I, mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. I, again, I know I heard myself say it. So, so it's believe yourself, know that what you experienced did in fact happen to you and believe in yourself, which goes back to the point that I made earlier about you can do this. How do I, because you're still, the R that we, it's a play on, on the word right, right the wrong. In other words, because oftentimes we will say that I experienced this thing. We will say what we went through, but we don't get into the nitty gritty and the weeds of what actually happened and how it impacted you. And the reason that's so important is because we've got to get it out of our head and we've got to get it out of our heart because we know that trauma impacts our bodies. So we've got to get that out. So right and saying what the depths of what really happened to me to get it out of me is so important and so powerful as we're working toward this place of freedom. Because as long as I'm holding it in here, I'm not going to be free. The E is for enlist your support circle. You've got to have some folks around you. And I say this, whether it's grief or trauma that can handle the weight of your story. You don't, there are people who simply cannot handle the weight of your story and that's okay you just have to know who they are and be able to pull them in or push them to an outer ring of the circle while you're on this journey of healing i always say you don't have to get mad at them you don't have to fall out you don't have to talk about people's mama and you don't have to do all that. <laughs> just know who they are because what's important is to have folks that can walk with you on this journey to help you heal. The A is for to anchor yourself in the truth. 
I talked earlier, part of the writing also is for you to be able to identify the lies that the trauma has told you. You weren't any good. You asked, it was your fault. You sat on his lap. You wore this. Your mom never believed. All of these things that trauma and grief and loss lie to you about and what the enemy will force you to believe. So anchoring yourself in the truth and then acknowledging and accepting forgiveness. And I always say, a lot of times we talk about forgiving others and that's important, but forgiving yourself for whatever you did or whatever you didn't do in that moment so that you could simply survive because that's what it's all about. And then the last one, the K is know how to nurture yourself. What do you need to do that's going to feed your spirit? What brings you back to center? And so that's your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual growth. What are the things that fill you up? Maybe that's hanging out with your girlfriend Saturday at brunch. Maybe that's a massage. Maybe that's Bible study. You know you cannot miss Bible study because that fills you up. Maybe it's your morning devotion. Maybe it's Maverick City music on you know Tuesday afternoon while you're driving home from work. What are the things that nurture you and then doing those things? So those that's the formula that I use to help people get to that place of freedom. And then I say to them, look, I am sitting here in front of you, a witness. I know how difficult it is to be in that spot, but I promise you this place of freedom and peace where you're, where you're just living your life, there is nothing like it. Nothing can touch that. Mm. So that I hope answers the question that you asked, but that freedom thing gets me going because that's what it's all about. Be able to live in peace. You not only answered it, I do hope people grabbed a piece of paper before you started. Can you just go straight through, just straight through the B-R-E-A-K for us quickly, just yes. so they can grab, because I just gave them a cue, get the pencil, <laughs> let's go. Yes, B-R-E-A-K. So the B is believe yourself and believe in yourself. The R is right the wrong. The E is enlist your support circle. The A is anchor yourself in the truth and accept and acknowledge forgiveness. And the K is know how to nurture yourself. Wow. That E, it made me pause for a moment mm. because I think sometimes we get so angry with people we hoped would be that person and being willing to release them of the responsibility yes. for something they, can't, they ju just do not have the ability or bandwidth to carry, release them. Yes, yes, release that word, you, yeah, that, that word you just use bandwidth, I say that some people, they just don't have the bandwidth and it's okay, it yes. really is. It doesn't mean that they love you any less because the reality is sometimes it could be because they love you so much. Mm -hmm. They just mm -hmm. don't have the bandwidth to encode that this thing happened to you or that you're hurting as much as you are because they are so close to you. But yeah, it, it's okay. We just need to know who's in the circle. This has been such a powerful conversation. I cannot believe we are down to our last four <laughs> or five minutes. It, it, it has been amazing. So there are a couple of things I want to make sure we close out as a resource to those who are listening. You referenced the book, but you didn't tell us the name of the book. So yes. I want to do that first. Tell our, us the name of the book and where we can find it. The title of the book is God Help Me, I'm Grieving, 
Finding Healing After Loss. You can find it on my website at katherinebarner.org. You can find it on Amazon. You can order it on Barnes and Noble, wherever fine books are sold. If it is not in your bookstore, they can order it for you. And I know you have two marquee um, resources of services. And I think when, when you talk about that E, it may not always be a family member. Mm-hmm. You might need to actually find a community that is prepared, equipped, and able to come alongside of you in that journey. Can you tell us a little bit about the two marquee services you offer? Absolutely. The first one is Living Beyond Loss Academy. That is a signature program for individuals who've experienced multiple types of loss. And so we walk through, we dig in depth with how to heal, how to really do this thing and how to get to a place of healing so that the pain, this is what I say, there's always going to be some pain. You're, you're never going to stop crying, but the pain isn't going to sting as bad as it did on that first day. And the tears are going to become different tears because you'll be able to actually laugh when there's some tears falling. That's how you know the healing has happened. And the other program is Sister Speak Up Society. And that is exactly what you described. It's a community of other women who have experienced childhood sexual abuse, um, who understand it the way that you do. There's something very powerful about being in a group where you don't have to explain what happened. You can just talk about it and everybody gets it. Theirs may have been different on some level, but they get it. And so there's a, there's a peace in that, there's a comfort in that, and there's a support in that. So those are the two programs that I have. Um, and I'd love for anyone that's interested, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to talk to you about how to engage with us. And what are your social media handles so that people can find and follow um, and connect with you? Yes. So on all social media, I am at Mrs. Cat Speaks. So that's M-R-S-K-A-T Speaks. You me there. And then my website is katherinebarner.org. Thank you for your honesty and your transparency and your ability to articulate a process, intentional steps. I um, have created this platform not only for us to better understand and be inspired by stories, but it is always a part of my desire that we allow people to walk away with very practical tools and insights. And you provided that for us today. So thank you, my sister. It has been amazing. You have added on to our journey of really knowing your worth and your power. Thank you so very much for having me. This was a treat for me. I absolutely love and appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, you know someone, you know someone who needs to hear this replay. I encourage you, share it. Um, Get it into the hands of someone. There are so many who are trying to navigate complex, ambiguous loss and grief, and they are looking for a resource. This is it. And we look forward to wrapping up our last conversation and understanding how we can navigate, continue to navigate, knowing our worth. So join us back here, same time, same place, right here on the flip side.
Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. 